Educate for Life on KPRZ is sponsored by EducateForLife.org. This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you, what you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at EducateForLife.com. Now, in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? So why does God allow suffering? Why does God send people to hell for eternity? Why does a good God permit evil to continue to exist? Why doesn't God intervene more often to stop extreme forms of pain and suffering? All big questions. And for most of us, uh, this is something that we're going to ask at one point or another in our life, in our life, in our lives. We're going to want to know the answers to these kinds of questions. And so today I thought that we'd focus on this um, and just look at this, these questions. I'm an apologetics teacher. I teach out at Christian High in San Diego at, at Shadow Mountain. And uh, I teach, this is one of the subjects I cover. We cover all the difficult questions there are about God and the Bible and these sorts of things. And my website is Educate for Life. And that's what you're listening to here is the Educate for Life show. We're on 1210 AM K-Praise here in San Diego every Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. And you can stream the show at kprz.com all over the world. My website, again, is educateforlife.org. If you want to call in, this is a live show right now, and you're, you're welcome to call in, ask questions, give comments, whatever you like. I'd love to hear uh, what people are thinking and, and get their feedback. The number is 866-577-2473. That's 1-866-K-PRAISE. And I wanted to start off quoting some of the lyrics from a band here. The band uh, is not a real well-known band. They're called XTC. They've kind of uh, diminished now, gone out of, uh, they're not really doing much anymore, but they were from England. And Andy Partridge uh, was one of their lead vocalists. And they sang a song called Dear God. It was on their album Skylarking uh, 1986. It says, Dear God, hope you got the letter and I pray you can make it better down here. I don't mean a big reduction in the price of beer, but all the people you made in your image, see them starving on their feet because they don't get enough to eat from God. And at the end of each of their, their uh, you know, paragraphs here, they, they say, I can't believe in you. And then it says, Dear God, sorry to disturb you, but I feel that I should be heard loud and clear. We all need a big reduction in the amount of tears. All the people you made in your image, see them fighting in the street because they can't make opinions meet about God. And then again, I can't believe in you. Did you make disease in the diamond blue? Did you make mankind after we made you and the devil too? Uh, I can't believe in, I don't believe in you. Uh, I don't believe in heaven and hell. I don't believe in saints. No sinners, no devil as well. No pearly gates, no thorny crowns. You're always letting us humans down. The wars you bring, the babes you drown, those lost at sea and never found, and it's all the same, the world, the whole world round. And if you're up there, you'd perceive that my heart's upon my sleeve. If there's one thing I don't believe in, it's you. Very, very sad song, um, very uh, blasphemous song. Uh, But the significance here is that a lot of people uh, don't verbalize these thoughts, but they have these thoughts. Why is this happening to me? Um, I've seen all kinds of pain in my own life, um, and seen a lot of struggles and difficult situations, as I'm sure many of my listeners, many of you listening have as well. 
Uh, my own sister passed away from cancer, uh, very young, around 22 years old. And, uh, and, you know, recently I had a student who passed away, one of my students in the high school kid who had just committed his life to the Lord and he passed away from cancer. And so, uh, these are significant questions that we should, uh, try to answer and look at what the Bible has to say about why pain and evil exist. Uh, there's a great song that actually has a better perspective, a much better perspective, um, by the band down here. And I'll read you those lyrics. But uh, just so you know, also, uh, I might spend a couple weeks on this subject, depending on how much we get through uh, this hour here. But I'm also teaching on this subject at Hamul Community Church tomorrow at the 830 and 1030 service. And I'll go into some more details on this uh, question. You know, the first thing we want to do is define evil. Um, You have moral evil, evil that's the result of human choices, like uh, what happened with September 11th and so forth. You have natural evil evil where there is no human will involved, things like natural disasters, uh, tsunamis, and so forth. And then you have what some people term maximum evil or gratuitous evil, innocent suffering that seems to be very extreme forms of pain and suffering. And when we approach this issue, the problem of evil, we're going to look at it from two different angles. There's there's a logical side, which is, okay, why does uh, evil exist? How could an all-knowing, all-good, all-powerful God allow evil? But then there's the personal emotional side also, which is why did God allow that evil to happen to me and the existence of pain and suffering in my life? So we're going to look at both of those, but we're going to, we're going to start with the logical side. But before I get into the logical side, I wanted to read, um, read a excerpt from a clip. Um, this is from a book I read, uh, as part of my master's program in apologetics And this book is um, written by, uh, let's see, his name is John Feinberg. And John Feinberg, um, it's called The Many Faces of Evil, Theological Systems and the Problems of Evil, if you're interested in uh, taking a look at it. But he says something interesting here. He says, uh, and I'm quoting from the book here, it was at this point that I understood experientially Plantinga's point about the religious problem requiring pastoral care, not philosophical discussion. Now, what he's saying here is he's saying that uh, the religious problem or the emotional problem requires pastoral care, not a philosophical discussion. He says, and I would urge you to take this very seriously. If you want to help those struggling with the religious problem, that is the emotional problem of why they're experiencing pain and suffering and why God would allow this to them. Uh, he, he says this, he says, I can illustrate the point by a simple example. Think of a young child who goes out to play on a playground. Sometime during her play, she falls and skins her knee. She runs to her mother for comfort. Now her mother can do any number of things. She may tell her daughter that this has happened because she was running too fast and not watching where she was going. She must be more careful the next time. The mother, if she knew them, might even explain to her child the laws of physics and causation that were operating to make her child's scrape just the size and shape it is. The mother might even expound for a few moments on the lessons God is trying to teach her child from this experience. If she then pauses and asks her daughter, do you understand, sweetheart? The little girl uh, would very likely reply, yes, mommy, but it still hurts. And so all the explanation at that moment doesn't stop her pain. The child doesn't need a discourse. She needs her mother's hugs and kisses. There will be time for the discourse later. Now she needs comfort. 
And the same is true for each of us as we struggle with religious problem of evil. We don't want or need immediately a lengthy lecture to appeal to our mind because this isn't primarily an intellectual matter. What we need is something to take away the pain. And a very big part of that pain is not knowing what these events mean about how God feels about us or how we should feel toward him. You know, and this brings us back to the the reality that it's very, very important that we know the Bible well, because if we don't know the Bible well and we don't understand why these things are happening, it can really uh, cause a lot of trauma in our trust uh, in the Lord. Um, we we will begin to really uh, maybe back away from our relationship with God because we don't understand the suffering we see in the world and we don't understand why the suffering exists in our own life. So um, very important to talk about and to understand. Um, so uh, a Greek philosopher, there was a, a Greek materialist philosopher. He was essentially a, a, an agnostic or an atheist, Epicurus, and he he made this argument. This was his argument. If there were a righteous and all-powerful God, he would not allow evil to exist. But evil does exist. Therefore, there is no righteous and all-powerful God. When we get back, I'm going to delve into this and show you why Epicurus is actually drawing a wrong conclusion here. And we'll begin to explore this issue of why a good, all-powerful God allows evil to exist. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on 12, 10 a.m. K-Praise in San Diego every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. And you can stream the show all over the world at kprz.com. My website's educateforlife.org. If you like this show, you can pick up recordings. We've got over 70 shows now um, uh, on the website. And uh, love to have you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can actually see me here in the studio, too. And uh, I, I'm, I'm losing my hair. I'm about 40 years old. Uh, and uh, I wear a lot of uh, plaid shirts. 
So anyway, um, I hope that you'll uh, visit me on Facebook too or, or uh, Twitter. I've got those uh, going. And so i uh, love to hear from you, love to hear your perspective and viewpoints on things. Today we're talking about God suffering evil. And, um, you know, I was just, I ended the last segment talking about Epicurus who made the argument. He said this, he said, if there were a righteous and all powerful God, he would not allow evil to exist, but evil does exist. Therefore there is no righteous and all powerful God. Now, this is uh, what we would call a deductive argument. So if you study logic, you have inductive arguments, you have deductive arguments. This is a deductive argument. And in a deductive argument, what what you're looking for is you have a premise, okay, or, or a variety of premises. And if your premises are both true, then your conclusion is true. So his first premise is, if there were a righteous and all-powerful God, he would not allow evil to exist. And, and then the second one, his second premise is, but evil does exist. Now... Here's the thing. It's a this is an example of what's called an unsound but valid argument. It's a valid argument, but it's not sound because one of the premises is false. Um, who's to say that a righteous, all-powerful God would not allow evil to exist? And where does he? Uh, what, what authority does he have them make that statement? What is he basing his premise on? Now, um, William Lane Craig is a very popular um, Christian philosopher uh, who has debated many, many, many atheists. He's very good. And he, he has an article on the problem of evil. And he starts off with this. This is what he says. He says, the problem of evil is certainly the greatest obstacle to belief in the existence of God. When I ponder both the extent and depth of suffering in the world, whether due to man's inhumanity to man or to the natural disasters, I must confess that I find it hard to believe that God exists. No doubt many of you have felt the same way. And then he says, uh, perhaps we should all become atheists. Now, of course, he's being sarcastic here. He says, but that's a pretty big step to take. How can we be sure that God does not exist? Perhaps there's a reason why God permits all the evil in the world. Perhaps it somehow all fits into the grand scheme of things, which we can only dimly discern, if at all. How do we know? And this uh, brings up a very, very important point, and that is this. Uh, I heard Josh McDowell say this uh, quite a while ago. Uh, he says... Don't allow the unexplainable to keep you from the undeniable. Don't allow the unexplainable to keep you from the undeniable. That's something you should write down, you know, uh, write it down, post it on your mirror in the morning. And uh, just uh, throughout the day, uh, when people bring up questions about God, God's existence or the truth of the Bible, uh, just say to them, don't allow the undeniable uh, the unexplainable to keep you from the undeniable. Just because I can't explain everything about reality doesn't all of a sudden demonstrate that somehow God doesn't exist. And uh, one of the things that I use often when I'm talking with uh, maybe an agnostic or a non-believer or or even a Christian who's struggling in their their uh, trust in the Lord um, or or God's existence, I will bring up. Uh, the 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 fact of what's called the the law of biogenesis. The law of biogenesis states that life has to come from life that exists already. So life does not come from non-life. Now, there's three criteria for something to be alive. It's got to react to stimuli. It's got to metabolize or, or eat, right? And it's got to reproduce and grow. So from a biological perspective, it's got to react to stimuli. It's got to metabolize. And it's got to reproduce or grow. That's that classifies something as alive. Uh, and and so Louis Pasteur in the 19th century, he came up with the law of biogenesis. He was a Bible believing Christian, by the way, and scientist. 
And again, the law of biogenesis says all life reproduces after its own kind and uh, life comes from pre-existing life. Life does not come from non-life. Life does not come from a rock or spontaneously arise. And I want to illustrate, this is an important point because this shows how necessary God is. It is inescapable that God exists. Um, sometimes people say, well, who knows? You know, it's kind of a 50-50. Maybe God exists, maybe he doesn't know. No, the reality is, just like it says in Romans chapter 1, that creation uh, makes it very plain that God exists. God has made himself known through his creation. And as we learn, study science more and more, this becomes even more and more clear. Cells are made up of what are called proteins. So your smallest living organism is made up of about 250 proteins. They're all arranged perfectly. And proteins are made of about, the, the proteins of life are made of about 20 different amino acids. Now, there's a guy named Doug Axe who took the time to calculate the chances of a protein forming uh, by itself, by accident, without an intelligent being, an, an intelligent creator, without God. Essentially, uh, after looking at all the different uh, different uh, things that are involved in that, he came up with a number one in ten to the one sixty four, and this is a gigantic number. It's hard to imagine how big this number is. Now, this is just to get one protein. This isn't to get a cell that's alive. This is to get one single protein. Protein. The chances it is one in ten to the one sixty four. Just to give you an idea of how big this number is, the amount of people living in the USA is three hundred million. 1 to the 10 one, to the 164, that's a 1 with 164 zeros behind it. The U.S. national debt, sadly, is $18 trillion. Uh, that, that is a large number, and that's a depressing number. Uh, but uh, it's nothing compared to one, a, a 10 to the 164. The amount of particles in the universe, known universe, is 10 to the 80. This number, 10 to the 164, is twice as big as the amount of particles in the universe. The amount of seconds that evolutionists say has passed since the Big Bang, quote, the Big Bang, um, 10 to the 16. And that this number, this is just to get one protein. To get a living cell, you have to do this 250 times, and all those proteins have to somehow find themselves on planet Earth. Uh, th this number is phenomenally huge. No scientist has ever been able to get life to arise from non-living materials. Miller-Urey in the 1950s attempted to do that. They got trace amounts of amino acids. That's all they got. And Scientific American actually uh, said in um, one of their, on their website, don't tell the creationists, but scientists don't have a clue how life began. Fred Hoyle, uh, Sir Fred Hoyle, he was an English astronomer. Uh, he actually came up with the, the, the term Big Bang. He, was, uh, he had a theory of stellar nucleosynthesis. This is what he said. He said, this number is so outrageously small that even if the whole universe consisted of organic soup, you wouldn't be able to do this. It wouldn't happen. And so again, I just want to emphasize, don't allow the unexplainable to keep you from the undeniable. And that band XTC, you know, they said, hey, look, I see all this suffering in this world and therefore God doesn't exist. But that's not a logical conclusion. That's not a good uh, deduction. Um, is there a reason that God would allow evil to exist? I do believe that there is a reason why God would allow evil to exist, and we're going to look into that. But I'm kind of dragging this out here. So other worldviews, you have to keep in mind also that they also have to deal with the problem of evil. So naturalism and atheism, that, that they have to deal with why does evil exist? Now, uh, Stephen Gold, he's a 
at Harvard University atheist evolutionist. He said, we are here because one odd group of fishes had a peculiar fin anatomy that could transform into legs for terrestrial creatures because the earth never froze entirely during the ice age because a small and tenuous species arising in Africa a quarter of a million years ago has managed so far to survive by hook and by crook. Now this is, uh, you know, there's no scientific evidence for that. That's just his, uh, philosophical worldview, his religious worldview of atheism. Um, but he has to explain evil. How does a, how does an atheist establish right and wrong? Well, there's only three way places you can get morality from as an atheist. Either individuals make up their own morality. You have people vote on their morality, right? You, you have everybody say, hey, guys, what do you think? Is slavery okay? Let's all vote on it. Or you have what's called might makes right. Now, might makes right is awful. In the past hundred years or so, we've had more people killed by the philosophy of might makes right than, than all of world history. Uh, Mao Zedong killed somewhere between 49 and 78 million people. Adolf Hitler killed around tw- uh, 11 million people. Um, and we'll continue to look at this. We're coming up on a break here, but stay with me because I want to continue to explore this issue. It's a very, very important issue. And I think I'm going to be able to provide you with some answers that will help you to navigate this terrain and understand why in the world would God allow evil to exist? I'm Kevin Conover. This is Educate for Life. Stay with us. Before I lift my cares, I will lift my arms. I want to know you. I wanna Not all home inspections are created equal. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. Call before you buy or sell. You'll have confidence knowing the true condition of the property. Call 619-660-7866, San Diego.housemaster.com. Home inspections, done right, guaranteed. 619-660-7866. For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride. 619-222-0766. Fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marina across from SeaWorld. 619-222-0766. No more stalling, I hear you calling me, and I'm coming, see me running, I give it, Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on 1210 AM K-Praise in San Diego every Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m., and you can stream the show at kprz.com. My website's educateforlife.org. If you have uh, been listening to the last two segments, we're talking about God's suffering evil. Why does, why does pain and suffering exist? Uh, if we've got a good, all-powerful God, why do these exist? I'm speaking at Homo Community Church out in uh, East, East County uh, tomorrow, if you're interested. Uh, tomorrow morning, 8.30 service and uh, the 10.30 service. Love to have you join us, and we'll explore this issue further. I don't think we're going to be able to cover everything today in this hour, but we will uh, try to pick it up uh, next week also. So, 
what I was talking about when we left off is that all worldviews have to explain why evil exists. And there are a bunch of different uh, takes on this. Atheism, um, its morality, really, you, you can't really condemn something as evil if you're an agnostic or an atheist because what you like or don't like is just your opinion. Yeah, you, you can say, for example, you know, I don't like what Hitler did, but but uh, you can't really call it wrong because who are you to impose your morality on Hitler? And I even had a discussion with an atheist Jew. Uh, you might, what? what? What is an atheist Jew? Well, sadly, most Jews today are atheists. Uh, they, they do not believe in the Bible. Uh, they go to synagogue uh, for self-help, uh, not because they actually believe in God. And so I was talking to an atheist Jew, and I kind of cornered him. I said, look, I said, uh, you have to understand, if you, if you say that God does not exist, then you have no moral authority to impose your morals on somebody else. There's, there's, no, there's no standard by which to measure your morality. I said, so can you tell me, uh, was Hitler wrong in killing uh, you know, uh, all the Jews, all these Jews? And uh, it, ama- it amazed me, his answer. He said, uh, it was wrong for me, but I can't say it was wrong for him. And this is was the this is where he had to go if he was going to say God didn't exist. And the natural consequence of this is that really, ultimately, you can't say anything is wrong, uh, which is horrible. Well, horrible. I would never let somebody like that babysit my kids. Uh, that, that's scary, right? Uh, Leopold II of Belgium in the Congo, he killed eight million people. Stalin killed six million in the gulags. Uh, Ismail Enver in Turkey killed one million two hundred thousand Armenians. Pol Pot, Cambodia, killed 1,700,000 of his own people. Kim Il-sung, uh, North Korea, 1.6 million in purges, purges and concentration camps. Uh, look, if you, if you don't have a standard of morality by which to base right and wrong on, then it's just one person's opinion versus a, a, a another. And whoever has the biggest guns gets to decide what's right and wrong. Uh, you can't condemn Nazi Germany for what they did. Uh, you, you can't condemn... Um, the antebellum South, uh, pre-Civil War slavery for what they did. Why, why can't you condemn it? Because if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in an absolute standard of right and wrong, then it's just your opinion over another, right? We don't, we don't get in arguments about, you know, whether chocolate ice cream is evil or good uh, because it's an opinion. Nobody is, is, you know, saying that your flavor of ice cream is a moral issue. Uh, but that's because... God doesn't tell us what ice cream is the best ice cream. Now, look, if, he, if in the Ten Commandments it was like chocolate ice cream is the best ice cream, well, then certainly we'd, we'd be, okay, God, well, you said it, that's it. Why? Because he's the standard. Um, so that's not, an, that's not a moral issue because God doesn't make it a moral issue, and, and there's no reason to make it a moral issue. But on the other hand, murder, God says, hey, thou shalt not murder. Don't do it. That is a standard. Um, but an atheist has no standard because they don't believe in God. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be a good person as an atheist or an agnostic. Of course, it doesn't mean that. But the, the issue is not whether you can be a good person or not. The, the issue is whether you have a proper objective reference point for saying something is good or bad. And as an atheist, you can't. It's just one person's opinion versus another. I love this Calvin and Hobbes uh, comic. It's a hilarious comic. It kept... Uh, uh, Bill Watterson, amazing guy, was a just a you know philosopher, cartoonist, right? He's got this little six-year-old who's like uh, talking 
incredibly deep to his stuffed tiger. Uh, it says here, how are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? Calvin says, I didn't make any. And then he says, see, in order to improve oneself, one must have some idea of what's good that implies certain values. But as we all know, values are relative. Every system of belief is equally valid, and we need to tolerate diversity. Virtue isn't better than vice. It's just different. And then uh, the tiger says, Hobbes says, I don't know if I can tolerate that much tolerance. (laughs) And then Calvin, this cracks me up. He says, I refuse to be victimized by notions of virtuous behavior. Basically, what he's saying is, look, if you don't have God, you have Mother Teresa is no better than the worst criminal because it's they're just different people. That's all right. If if you're going driving somewhere, but you're not going anywhere in particular, well, you never know if you're getting closer to the destination or not because you don't know where you're going. And so if morals are just opinions, you're just going somewhere different. You're not becoming better or worse. Because there's no standard by which to measure your morality. And individual ethical relativism means that people can do anything and they can say it's right. Now, of course, we can't live like that. We have judges. We have laws because it's impossible to live like that. But if you follow it to its logical conclusion, that's where you end up as an agnostic or an atheist. Now, what does this have to do with God and suffering and evil? Well, It has a lot to do with it. C.S. Lewis said this as a former atheist. He said this. My argument was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. Of course, I could have given up my idea of justice by saying it was nothing but a private idea of my own. But if I did that, then my argument against God collapsed too. You see, the attack against God is based on a standard of justice. So when we attack God and we say, God, how can you allow this evil to exist? Well, the problem is, is that you're assuming a standard, but you, yet you say there is no God. And so the argument folds in on itself. This is actually why C.S. Lewis ultimately uh, decided to become a theist. Now, he eventually became a Christian, but that was what turned him to theism because he had such an innate, inherent sense of justice. Uh, he, he was... Uh, revolted by all the suffering he saw around him. So uh, Ravi Zacharias, if you know who he is, he says this is very good way to put, put it succinct way. He says this, when you say there's too much evil in this world, you assume there's good. When you assume there's good, you assume there's such a thing as a moral law on the basis of which to differentiate between good and evil. But if you assume a moral law, you must posit a moral lawgiver. But that's who you're trying to disprove and not prove, because if there's no moral lawgiver, there's no moral law. If there's no moral law, there's no good. If there's no good, there's no evil. What was your question? (laughs) Okay, so I don't know if you followed that or not. Uh, You can pick up a recording later on and play that back several times. But the the point being here is this, that if if you're yelling at God about why evil exists and all the pain and suffering exists, and you're use that, using that as an argument to walk away from God, it folds in on itself because you need God in order to cry out for justice because there has to be a standard by which we measure justice. Okay, let's look at another, um, let's look at the Buddhist or transcendental view of evil in the world. How do they deal with e- evil? Well, um, Shirley MacLaine, who is a transcendentalist, uh, 
in her book or in Dancing in the Light, she wrote this. Until mankind realizes that there is, in truth, no good and there is, in truth, no evil, there will be no peace. And so she said we need to recognize that there is no good or evil in order for us to have peace. But is that really the case? She said good and evil is just an illusion. I don't think so at all. I think by saying that evil doesn't exist, that slavery is not evil, or that child abuse is is not good or evil, or that uh, rape is not good or evil, that somehow that's going to generate peace? Oh, I don't don't agree with that at all. Uh, This is Kevin Conover. You're on Educate for Life. We're on... K praise 1210 a.m. Stay with us. We're going to continue to explore the issue of evil. Why would God allow it to exist? A lot is riding on your car's safety and performance. Count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard. Honesty, integrity, and quality service. ASC, BBB, and NAPA certified. 760-439-1631. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. There's got to be Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on 1210 AM K Praise in San Diego every Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. If you want to call in, I love to hear people's opinions. 1-866-577-2473. That's 866-K-Praise. Uh, you can stream this show on kprz.com. And uh, again, my website's educateforlife.org. You can actually sign up for my classes. I have uh, 40 classes online. Uh, it has slides and everything, pictures and videos and all this stuff you're hearing is actually also in a class I teach online. And uh, just go to my website, and you can look at all the different things, uh, world religions. Uh, how do we know Christianity is true when you've got so many other people of so many other religions? Uh, what makes Christianity the true religion? How do we know uh, Jesus rose from the dead? How do we know that the books that are in the Bible were put in there? You know, there's this popular myth on the web that uh, Constantine decided what— books should be in the Bible. That's a bunch of baloney. Uh, look into the real history behind how, how the Bible was put together. Um, you know, how do we deal with uh, with uh, supposed, quote, contradictions in the Bible and these sorts of things? Are there actually contradictions in the Bible? What about creation and evolution? Um, how do we deal with the issue of homosexuality? And uh, if God's a loving God, why would he be opposed to two people wanting to get married who who love one another? These are all very big questions that come up constantly in our lives and uh, the Bible is very clear that we're, we're to be able to give an answer for the reason, uh, 
for the hope that lies within us. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. He promises to give us eternal life. Uh, is that a, a promise that we can count on? Can we really depend upon that? Absolutely. 100% we can. And so uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, if you want to be able to become somebody who can answer people's questions, give people hope and can defend the truth of God's word uh, in a loving and godly way, uh, I encourage you to check out my website and uh, sign up for those classes. They'll really be a blessing to you. So when we signed off uh, last uh, segment, we were talking about transcendentalism and Buddhism and how do they deal with the problem of evil? Well, they say that the physical world is an illusion. Um, and they say that evil is the result of karma, right? Your karmic debt. Uh, there's a funny Dilbert cartoon. It says the little dog, I, I don't know what his name is, but he's talking to Dilbert. Dilbert's a, a funny cartoon. I, I like it. He says, I believe in karma. That means I can do bad things to people all day long. And I assume they deserve it. And really there's a lot of truth to that statement, you know, in, in Buddhism. And it, it says that your karma uh, you have like a karma meter. It goes up. And as it goes up, because you're doing good things, you're hugging people, you're smiling at people, you're feeding the poor, you're doing these things, your karma goes up and you can reincarnate into something better. And, and after thousands and thousands and thousands of lives of doing this, eventually you'll become a Buddha, the enlightened one. And uh, you go into nirvana where you cease to exist. Wow, that sounds awesome. Sounds depressing. Uh, the, the word nirvana literally means to be blown out like a candle. Uh, it does not sound good to me. Is karma biblical? Well, in Galatians chapter six, verses seven through eight, it says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Now that sounds a lot like karma. Well, isn't that like karma? Well, there's a one huge gigantic difference. And that is that, that the, the reaping and sowing concept involves a God who is personal who's involved in the process, who can show mercy and grace, who treats you like a child um, because he loves you. In Hebrews, it says uh, that God is our father who disciplines us out of love, not out of revenge or punishment or, or some uh, vendetta against us. No, it's because he cares about, about us and doesn't want us to continue to walk uh, in pain or destruction. Ezekiel 33, 11, it, the Bible says, that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they would turn from their sins and walk with him. He wants to see people live. And karma has no room for mercy. Karma is, is kind of like the law of gravity. You, you just get it, right? But there's an even worse side to karma, and that is this, that um, according to the law of karma, if a child is abused, well, whose fault is it? It's not only the person who abused the child, but it's actually the child's fault also. And I actually interviewed a Buddhist. Uh, you can look in my archives on my website. I interviewed a Buddhist, and she actually said this very thing. We, we, I asked her on the radio, uh, who, you know, let, let's say you've got a kid, a little kid, three-year-old, who has uh, some disease, debilitating disease or whatever. Um, whose fault is that? And she said, it's his fault. Um, something he did in his previous life or one of his previous lives, uh, he, he, he got that from his karma. Now she said, uh, he does, I would never say he deserves it. She told me, but he did, he got it from his karma. Uh, now that's a horrible, a horrible worldview. Can you imagine if people embrace that worldview wholeheartedly? Well, how would you respond to somebody who came to you who was sick and hurting? Well, you're taught in Buddhism to show compassion, but the problem is you have a con conflict of interest here because in your mind, you're thinking, well, you're getting what you deserve. And so 
that you've you've clearly done something here to deserve this. That's that is a, not a good uh, solution to the problem of evil. So we see here that atheism agnosticism has no good solution to the problem of evil. They they actually have a logical contradiction. Buddhism transcendentalism has no good solution. They they say it's just an illusion. And so you're suffering, you're seeing all this pain and suffering. They say it's not real. Just pretend it's not real. That's what Buddhism teaches too. And they they teach karma, which is actually very detrimental. Um, there's another one which is in Islam, Islamic theism, uh, and it's also called transmoralism. And what this sa- says is God ordains evil because there is no free will. God wills everything that happens. And so... Um, it, it, any evil that happens, God willed it, and therefore it's good because he willed it. Now, this is a kind of a crazy thing. Uh, it, it, this is from Theodicy and Islamic Thought. This is a quote. The gist is that good and evil are foreordained. What is foreordained comes necessarily to be after a prior act of divine volition. No one can rebel against God's judgment, and no one can appeal his decree and com- command. Rather, everything small and large is written and comes to be in a known and expected measure. And so if we were to put that in there, it says, um, if God were all good, he would destroy evil. If God were all powerful, he could destroy evil. Evil has not been destroyed. Well, what transmoralism says is God is not all good. Good is defined by what he does. There is no standard of goodness. Uh, And so you have a big problem here with transmoralism. What do we do with the statement in in the scriptures that says, be holy as I am holy? Oh, okay. Wait a second. Be holy. How are you holy if anything you do, whether it's murder or whatever, all of a sudden becomes holy? That doesn't make any sense. Um, So what is the relationship between God and morality? Is God bound by morality, right? God has to follow his own 10 commandments. No. Is God above morality? He doesn't have to follow the 10 commandments. He can do whatever he wants. No. Actually, morality is God's nature. And this is why the Bible, the scriptures teach, it says God is love. It doesn't say God, just God is loving. It actually says God is love. Morality is God's nature. So we love because God is love. Murder is wrong because God doesn't murder. Justice is important because God is just. We're to be faithful because God is faithful. Lying is wrong because God doesn't lie. You know, the Bible actually says that it is impossible for God to lie. See, we derive our morality from his moral nature. <clears throat> We're not going to redefine God's goodness because if, if whatever he did was good, then all of a sudden there would be no such thing as good. Okay, so he is bound by his morality, not because he's bound by some ex- uh, external force, but because that is his very nature. Just like I can't breathe underwater, God's very nature is not to lie. Uh, that's who he is. It's inherent to who he is. Okay. Let's look at one more bad solution to the problem of evil. It's called fideism. And this is probably one of the most popular ones within Christianity. Uh, and that is the problem should be ignored or uh, phrasing it another way, just have quote blind faith. Now, uh, this is a little bit. One of my pet peeves is when people quote Romans eight twenty eight. Uh, when somebody has a, a big problem, right, or or they look at life and they just say, God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, that scripture is absolutely 100% true. But to just cliche throw that out there, um, I do not believe is biblical. Um, and And we can't just say, hey, 
just don't think about it. God expects us to think. He doesn't expect us to just take anything. The Bible says to test all things, hold fast to what is good, reject what is bad. Well, we are testing ideas. We are putting them up against the mirror of the, of God's word. And so Isaiah 55, six through eight, it's very true. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord. But what is that verse really saying? It's really saying, I don't respond the way you respond. My justice is perfect. I'm holy. I do what's right all the time. I'm not like you are. I don't think like you think. It's not saying that we can't understand God. Paul said for him to live is to know God. And so can we know God? Absolutely we can. That's the whole reason we have the Bible is so that we can know God. And this problem of evil, we need uh, to look at it critically and examine what the Bible has to say about it. Stay with us. We're going to be getting closer here to some of the answers I know you're wanting and and, uh, waiting for. This is Kevin Conover. You're on Educate for Life Radio, kprz.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Said I'd follow you. Said I'd follow you for the rest of my days. But the truth is I don't know where I let you go. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family owned. Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Maine and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on 1210 AM K Praise in San Diego every Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. And this is um, sponsor-supported. My, my program is sponsor-supported. I have some wonderful sponsors. If you would like to advertise your business on uh, this radio uh, program, I would love it. I'd love, to, love your support. Get, uh, get, get your information about your business out there, but at the same time, support the spread of the gospel and uh, the biblical truth that you're hearing on this program. I, I hope that uh, I'd, I'd love to have an email or phone call from you if you're interested in doing that. Uh, my website is educateforlife.org. You can join us by calling 866-577-2473. If you have a question or something you'd like to talk about, love to hear from you. Um, so what we're talking about is bad solutions to the problem of evil. We've looked at a bunch of them. Atheism has no solution to the problem of evil. Uh, it's a logical contradiction to reject God based on uh, the issues of morality. Uh, Buddhism and trans, uh, uh, transcendentalism... Uh, offer no good solutions. They just say it's all just an illusion. That's not helpful when you're, when you're in a hospital or you're seeing people uh, 
starving out there and you just say, hey, this is just an illusion. And they literally believe it's just an illusion. Another bad solution that we're looking at here is what is called uh, finitism. And that is the idea that God is not all powerful. And therefore, although he wants to destroy evil, he can't destroy evil. Uh, and so this this claim uh, says that God is limited uh, and and just can't do it. But the Bible does not indicate this. And so we see in Job 42, 2, it says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. In Numbers eleven twenty three, it says, the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Um, Matthew nineteen twenty six. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Genesis eighteen fourteen. is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. That was God talking to Abraham uh, and him saying, well, I'm an old man. How am I going to have a kid? And God said, I can do it. And in creation, we see this too. God said, let there be right. Let there be light. Let there be, let there be the, let there be all throughout Genesis. Um, God just can speak things into existence. Uh, and we just see this throughout the text. So, you know, there's a guy named uh, Harold Kushner. He wrote a book when bad things happen to good people. And in it, he just says, Hey, God can't control all evil, but this is not the case when we look at the Bible. And so we have to come to a good solution. So the problem for theism is God is all good and he opposes evil. God is all knowing and he foreknew evil. God is all powerful and he can de defeat evil. So then why did he permit it? And why is it ongoing? And, and so I think a good place to start here is why did God put the tree in the garden in the first place? When we look at Genesis chapter uh, one, we see uh, Adam and Eve in the garden with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, hey, you can eat from everything. Everything here is yours. Have fun. Uh, but you can't eat from this tree. Right. So once in a while I get students who ask me, why did God put that tree in there in the first place? And that's a good question. You know, if I were Adam and God put that tree in there, I'd be like, well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a chainsaw to this tree and let's just get this out of my life right now. And I don't have to decide uh, this anymore. We'll just get rid of this tree. Why did God put that tree in there? Well, the reason he put the tree in there is that God is expecting action. Um, talk is cheap, right? We, we hear this all the time. Uh, you know, if I come home to my wife and I tell her, honey, I love you. And she says, would you mind helping me with the dishes? And I say, no, I really got to watch the game today. And she says, okay. And a little bit later, uh, she, she asks me, Hey, would you mind helping, uh, change Emma's diaper, uh, or whatever? And I say, well, you know, honey, I really love you, but I've got some other stuff I got to do right now. I really need a nap. Right. And then later on we're going to bed and and she says, hey, would you mind getting me a glass of water? And I go, honey, you know, I really love you, but get it yourself. Uh, is she going to think that I love her? Well, she certainly is not, right? That relationship is not going to be doing too well. And God uh, expects love to be demonstrated. And again, we see this all throughout the text. The Bible actually says to love God is to obey God. Why doesn't it say to love God is to say you love God? Well, because that's not evidence of love. It's easy to say things. It's hard to do things. And so God put that tree in the garden so that they could demonstrate love and they failed at it. They didn't do a good job. And the good news is, is that uh, Christ loves us even when we don't love him. 
Uh, that's the beauty of it, because we all fail on a regular basis to love God the way we should love God, but God loves us anyway. And that's why we need Christ is because of that regular failure. But let's keep looking at this um, this issue of the tree in the garden, because this is the beginning of the answer to this question of why a good, all-powerful God allows evil in the world. And, and that is that love, because it has to be demonstrated, because love involves free will, right? We, we need an opportunity to choose. We need an opportunity to choose. So free will allows love. But of course, free will also allows evil to exist because to be free means to be able to do otherwise, right? If I, if I tell my son, you know, good job, you did a great job of being obedient to me this today and you didn't do anything wrong. You did exactly what, what I told you, which was to sit in that chair and then later on you find out that I had tied him to the chair, you would go, well, that's not really any demonstration of love. Uh, he had no choice. He had no choice in the matter. And so, right, if I put on my computer a screensaver that says, Kevin, you are awesome. And every day I wake up and there it says, Kevin, you are awesome. I'm like, man, my computer loves me. No, that's, that's a bunch of baloney. My computer has no free will, and so it can't demonstrate love. And so uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that evil exists fundamentally because free will exists, which is the option to love. And God believes that love is just that important, um, that he is allowing the potential for evil to exist. Now, some people might say, well, why did God create evil, right? God created all things. Evil is something. Therefore, God created evil. What a lot of people don't realize is that evil is not actually a thing. It's a corruption of a good thing. So, for example, uh, if you have a, a piece of cloth and it has a hole in it, well, as soon as the cloth is gone, the hole is gone, too. The, the hole is actually not a thing if the cloth isn't there. And we can look at this also with cold. Cold is the absence of heat, but cold itself is not a thing. Dark, darkness is the absence of light, but darkness itself is not a thing. Evil is actually not a thing. It's simply the absence of good. Uh, you know, with, with temperature, heat, you can increase heat, uh, you know, infinitely up. But cold, you can only go down so far because all it is is there's no heat left and you're left with cold. That's why you have absolute zero. Well, evil's the same thing. Now, we didn't get too far into this discussion, so we're going to pick this up again. Next week, I am going to have on uh, a guy who used to be a captain in the Marines. His name's Mike Riddle. And he's going to be taught. He was an evolutionist for 30 years and abandoned evolution when a guy came up to him in, in a gym and and uh, introduced him to Christ. It took seven years after that before he decided to turn his life over to Christ. But um, he is uh, going to be with us next week, Saturday, 2 to 3. Educate for Life is my website, educateforlife.org, kprz.com. Saturday is 2 to 3. Kevin Conover, God bless you. Um, join me at Humboldt Community Church tomorrow if you want to hear more of this discussion. Okay, have a wonderful Saturday. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Bring your time.
and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right, but that's all right, cause I Educate for Life on KPRZ is sponsored by educateforlife.org.